We might come back to that after preaching. So just be ready, fellas. I think some ladies need to learn some instruments. Hayden, where are you? It's, all, it's an all-guy band. I feel like I'm in a boy band right now. Okay? And um, I'm just going to speak just for a few minutes. And um, just, just stick with me here. I, I may get a little emotional today. Um, I literally have four lines of notes on a little poster card. So this is what we're doing today, all right? I just, I came into today and uh, just to be really honest with you, I had no idea what I was gonna speak on because um, it's been about the roughest week of my life ever. So feelings in me were evoked this week that I've never felt before. So I went through a tragic death of my mom, the pastor of our church, a, couple, a few years ago. And, um, and I remember Nicole saying, I can't feel the presence of God. I remember her saying that uh, through my mom's death. And just a few, about three days after that, four days after that, she couldn't really tap in to feel the presence of God and really just, just feel that acceptance and that love of God. How many have ever been there? You've been through something so tragic. You've been through something so difficult. You can't feel God and, and you long for that. And it's... It's such, a, it's such a hard thing to feel apathetic like that. And um, so this week, I, I'll just share with, with what happened um, to the best that I can publicly, and, uh, and then um, just kind of go from there. But we're going to be in Matthew 4, 1 through 11 eventually, or right away. I don't know yet. So, so this last... Sunday I alluded and we, we prayed for a family in Troy who lost a little boy to a fire. And um, what I didn't share yet was that I was actually filling in on shift um, that evening because I have to make up some holiday time at my job. So if you are new this, this week or you've only been here a couple times, you may not know that I'm actually a firefighter paramedic for Troy as well. So I work an administrative job Monday through Thursday. Really, uh, easy job that's mostly desk work and, and going around to businesses and doing education and doing doing things that are kind of gravy if you if you compare it to being a firefighter but I had to make up some time so on Saturday night I filled in for a night shift and um, my partner and I moved way back he knew me since I was 12 years old um, maybe about 13 years old uh, we were sitting in our in our kitchen we're cleaning up we had just finished a movie and about 12:30, a call comes in in an apartment complex with two kids trapped so we, we go out, and uh, obviously we have a sense of urgency, and um, it's the first time I can recall being called to a house fire where kids are trapped. So automatically you feel adrenaline, you feel things that you can't evoke, you can't make up, you can't mimic, nothing compares to that feeling. So we get into the fire engine, we, we, we bust out to the scene, we go there, and uh, this is the real deal. So, you know, the hope in your mind, Nicole would ask me, She said, haven't you been on worse calls before? I said, yeah, I, I probably have. I've been, you know, 14 years in this industry, you, you see quite a bit, especially working part-time on another department for a little while, you kind of see twice as much as what you really should see. Um, but anyway, she said, have you been on worse calls? I said, yeah, but the difference between that one and this one is, you know, I've been on gunshots, I've been on suicides, I've been on bad car accidents with deaths, and I've been on a lot of that. But the difference is this, 
that incident's already taken place. It's already happened. We're going as an effect of what's already taken place. This particular call was currently happening. So we're going and we're firemen. This is what we do. We, we, we go and we save people and we put out a fire and we, we take care of it and we're, we're the heroes. And I, I said, you know, and it was totally different this time because it's still happening. It's, it's in the process of the event. It's not already taken place and done. And now we're responding, reacting what's already happened in the past. So we get there, and I'm just going to share just kind of, I think maybe just a big picture and go back to maybe each part. So we get there, and we, we see just tons of smoke already. As we turn onto the street, the smoke had already filled the street even. And we get to the house, and I told my brother, who's, who's my chief, I told him, I said, listen, nothing can compare to this. I've never felt anything like this. Nothing even measures close. Only my partner will ever know what I went through. So if, I said, if you could imagine running a sprint race and you're running as fast as you can, and then all of a sudden these cinder block walls just shoot up right in front of you and you run face first into them, that was similar to what this scene was like. So we get there, there's only two of us on the scene, the cops are helping. Uh, long story short, I jack a hand line to the front door and I try to get into the front door and we're, we're, we're making our way into the front door. You know, in our heads as firemen, we're like, yeah, we're going to save these kids. This is going to happen. We're, we're going to do this. You know, that's... That's what we're doing. We're fighting to get in that house, and, and we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. So anyway, we try to get in the front door, and, and there's furniture in front of it. We can't get in the front door. Then all of a sudden, you know, we're we're pushing and pushing and pushing. We can get enough to get our arms in, and we're pushing the furniture through uh, to try to get in. So now the door's open. We can get in. So we're crawling and we're trying to stay low. The heat's keeping us down. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, now there's this furniture and there's these cushions and toys, and we just can't get through. Then all of a sudden the heat is burning us and now my face mask is melting, my helmet's melting and we're trying to get into this house. We just came. Hours before this, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there just lost in this presence of God as a little boy. You know, I've been on this sonship thing and, and I'm just a little boy just experiencing the presence of daddy and just, just full of him. Now all of a sudden that's being ripped away and I did nothing to deserve it. Now I'm having to be a man. So I try to get in and I can't get in. And my partner, he pulls me out because it's just too hot. He's burning us. And then, so there's a ladder there. So then I try to go through the window. I'm like, well, we'll dive through the window. We're, listen, we are fighting hard to get in this place. There's... There's a report of boys in there, and uh, it later came out that one was at grandparents, so there was just one. But you know, and then you're you're also looking at this house, and you're like, part of you's like, there's no way anybody could ever be alive right now. It's fully involved in fire. Once we were trying to get in there, there's flames coming out and, and everything, the whole house, the whole apartment. Anyway, I try to get in the window, and all of a sudden, and the heat keeps me down again and burns my face, and uh, so I, I just can't get in. So I back down, and we go back to the front door. And, and then suddenly, you know, more firemen are there and more departments are there. And, and then I just, I remember. I remember being at that front door and kneeling down, feeling the heat and not being able to see anything now because my mask is messed up. I remember thinking, God, I prayed for the boy. And I prayed because by that time we knew there was just one in there. I prayed that he would know him. I prayed that he would be saved and he would be with his daddy. And then I begin to just say, God, you're good. Yes. Not knowing anything else. Not experiencing anything else. Not feeling anything. I just say, God, you're good. 
I mean, I cry out, God, you're good. You're really good. I don't understand this right now, but you're good. You're good. I know that. I know that it's here. It's here. I don't have to feel that right now. I know that you're good. So as we process this event later, and later on, I had to find the little boy, and uh, those images won't leave me. So then I go through my week, and I'm ticked. I'm mad. I'm sitting there questioning myself, was there more that we could do? What is my limitations? Why, why couldn't we get in? And I'm going through and just processing the thing all week long, even up to a couple nights ago, having nightmares, yelling at Nicole, are you afraid of fire or do you respect fire? Get in there. You know, and I'll, this whole week is processing some of this. But I woke up Thursday and I said, Daddy, I want to be a boy again. Yes. Something's been stolen from me and I want to be a little boy again. I want to feel your love again. So I came Tuesday night, and we were soaking, and I'm, I'm sitting there on the floor, just numb, just completely numb. I'm trying to press in. I'm waking up every morning, just praying, just say, God, I want to feel you. So you got to understand what I was coming from. I'm coming from just in love with the Father, feeling if I just one moment of thought of that, now I'm lost in His presence, and I'm giggling, I'm laughing, I'm weeping, you know, whatever good feelings could invoke. I'm feeling that now all of a sudden I come to a place in my walk with Daddy. I come to a place as a summer. I can't feel Him. I come to a place to say, why this happened? I, I can't explain. I don't know. I can't mimic these thoughts. It's rough, right? And I'm like, you know, everybody on that scene, everybody in the community feels the aching for this family, this little boy. And I understand that. And, and I'm not saying I have it harder than anybody else. But no one knows what that's like to go to that door to try to get in. And listen, I got back to the station. My whole gear's covered in black. My gear's ripped all up and down. I've got rips and tears throughout my whole thing. And I remember the counselor that met with us, our crew. She said, you know what's impressive is that you guys were fighting to get it. She didn't know any of this about me. She didn't know my gear had been ripped and torn and battered. And she said, it's impressive that you guys are fighting to get in that fire when everybody else is fighting to get out. And that stuck with me. That actually helped me. Because I look at my gear and I look at that. And I say, I really did go to battle for that. I really did try to get in there. I tried my best. I know that. I'm not carrying guilt of that. Later on, you know, confirmations of the autopsy and different things, that smoke inhalation and all that, that's public. But here's the deal. I start the process this week, and I'm going to preach on what do we do when we can't feel we're a son anymore? Come on. What do we do when we can't feel the presence of God anymore? Because some of us have been there, some of us may come there. There's tragic things that happen in our life. You know, so for my wife, it was my mom's death. For me, I didn't feel that then. I could feel the presence of God during that. But this was hardest thing I've ever gone through. This was harder than any death I've experienced. This is harder than any other run I've experienced in 14 years. This is harder than Nicole and I getting ready to file for divorce through an attorney. 11 years ago? 12 years. Some many years ago. Thank you, Jesus. This was the hardest thing. So now what? What do we do? And in the next 10 minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disclose that to you. But I remember this week just feeling nothing, feeling numb, feeling feeling angry, going through the night, and, and I'm like, well, how can I be a son when I'm still having nightmares through the night, when I'm still picturing things, when I'm still visualizing things? And I'm, I'm here to tell you that, small, that well, I woke up Thursday, and I'm like, Daddy, I, I want to be yours again. I want my boyhood restored, or, you know, and I just, I kind of just leaned back to what David had to pray. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It wasn't his salvation, it's the Lord's salvation. Yeah. Restore to me the joy of the, your salvation. But today I was in the office and I'm just praying, like, oh, what do you want me to speak about? I can't feel you. How am I going to speak about sonship? I don't even care about the family in this aspect because I can't feel family. I can't feel community. I want to be isolated right now. Anybody know what I'm feeling? I'm just being real, you know? 
I love you, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I just wanted to be alone. You know, I, I, I said, well, I have one in the bank, but I've outlined a message to preach on prayer in the future. Maybe I'll just speak from that and read it. But all of a sudden, something hit me in that office today, and I began to read in the Bible where Jesus, after his baptism, after the Father said, this is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased, all of a sudden, his identity was questioned. And I want to go there with you. So Matthew 4. Right before we get there, we had a men's group yesterday, and, and uh, some of us that are just a few of us that are going through a special book. And anyways, we're, we're talking, and, and Nick has has been to Iraq a couple times and, and such, and maybe Afghanistan. I, I forget. Uh, Iraq, yeah, Iraq. So he was talking about uh, a soldier that, that got a medal, and 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 I just I visualized back, and, and I'm like, you know, in the kingdom, are we battling as much? as we can be. So here I'm fighting and I'm going to battle. I'm fighting to get in that house to bring hopefully what life will be back to a dead boy. I'm hopefully there to restore life. And, and I go through my week this week and I'm thinking, am I fighting that hard in the kingdom? Am I fighting that hard in my marriage to make sure there's life in my marriage? And I was talking to Nick and the guys. Are we, are we battling that much like guys do at work? Are we battling that much to bring freedom in our marriages? To bring freedom in our church? To bring freedom in our homes? To bring freedom in the kingdom? Like these guys are going to war. They're, they're leaving their families behind here to go overseas to get shot at. To get shot. To, get, to go through these tragic things. These traumatic things. Probably way more traumatic than anything I just endured. But are we fighting in the kingdom? Are we that passionate about saving and rescuing people from the fire of hell? Are we that passionate in our marriage from the fire of hell? The enemies comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came what? To give life. To give life abundantly. To bring freedom. To set the captives free. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and save that which is lost. Not just who was lost, but that which was lost. To restore freedom. To restore life. To restore joy. To restore hope. Jesus is a God of hope. He's a God of the redeemed. Yeah? So, so but are we fighting in our lives? So I'm picturing this. I'm like, man, I really went to town trying to get in the house. And, and my partner actually had to pull me back to stop me. Are we going that hard in the kingdom? Are we going that hard in our homes? Are we going that hard in our marriages? Really? So what happens, though, when we go that hard and we do all of this and we go through those motions and we think we're doing everything right. And then it's not the outcome that we had hoped for. Suddenly when I found that boy lifeless and I, and I found that, I'm like, yeah, this is not the outcome I hoped for. I visualized myself pulling him out of a house yeah. and running out with him in my arms. <laughs> and now suddenly that's not how I found it. That's not the situation. That wasn't the outcome. So now what happens if we're praying for something, if we're hoping for something, and then it's something different? Amen. You stay on his truth. Yeah. You rest in his truth. Yeah. Let me point it out to you. 4.1 says this. Then Jesus, and I usually read out of NLT. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. I find it interesting it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Yeah. Part of sonship is you actually have to walk it out. Yeah. Part of sonship is, so, so David and Joseph, these young men, you know, Joseph had the coat put on him of many colors at a young age. David was a very young boy when he came up to the table and they said, you are the son of Jesse, you're going to be the next king. He was a young boy, but then all of a sudden he had to walk out the character yeah. to actually be a son to rule the kingdom. Yeah. So see, I, I just find it interesting that we want to come to the kingdom and we want to just 
be empowered. We want these things. And, and I'm not, listen, I, I said something earlier a couple weeks ago and I didn't finish the quote. I said, grace is not opposed to effort. I didn't finish saying, but it is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to, to earning, okay? We don't have to earn salvation. We don't have to earn these things. But there is something called a process. There's something that's called a pursuit. There's something that's called going after and seeking after what you want. There's something about that. And many of us, you know, we got into this, and me personally, I got into this thing of grace and sonship, and for so long I was told what to do, and I was controlled, and I was ruled, and, and, and everything I had to do was, was set, right? But then all of a sudden, now I come into this sonship thing, and I'm a child of God, and He loves me, and there's grace, and His grace is sufficient, right? And all these things. And, and then I was starting to slip into this greasy grace thing where anything, and I can do anything, my Papa loves me, right? But here's the deal with that. The Bible says, and I've always said this, but now it's in my heart. The Bible says that if you love me, then you obey my commands. So now it's out of love, not duty, because I want to, not because I have to. So, so, so along with that is, grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. So here now, all of a sudden, I am called and ordained and commissioned by God to be on a life purpose to rip people from hell. That, that's my life goal. That's my purpose. Okay? I only do what I see my father doing. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, so I only do what I see my father doing. But suddenly now, we think it can just come. But we have to realize that there is a pursuit in this. There is something. So I just say all that to say, listen, it is not easy. He never said it was going to be easy. There is something required of you. It says present yourselves a living sacrifice. There's something required of that. We've, we've lost the days that actually we get in our word and meditate on it and read it and soak in it and just, just indulge in it. We, we've kind of forgot the days what it's like to actually get calluses on our knees from just, from just being with the Father. Whether it's an intercession or whether it's in petition or even whether it's just in worship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're like, here, I'm going to worship and I'm going to soak. <sighs> what a hard day. Right? We've taken this soaking thing to a whole new level. That's not what God meant when he meant meditate on him and be full of him. I remember my word. It says a fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. A fervent prayer actually means a fiery prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What about the days of David when he worshipped out of his clothes so vigorously that he looked like a fool? I'm just saying. And we come, and, and I'm guilty. We come up here, and we're like, oh, God, fill us. <laughs> I had to battle this week to press into God when I didn't feel like it. He didn't care about my feelings. Listen, I don't always feel like getting up and running three miles on a treadmill every morning, but I do it because I like the feeling of it afterwards. I hate running. I do. I hate every aspect of running. All right? I get on there, and I just like... How many have, have been on a treadmill? Oh, goodness. God bless you guys. So, so I get on that treadmill and I start at one mile per hour. You know, like the, just the initial start? And it's like... And then all of a sudden I bump it up to three. I'm like... And then I go 3.3 is my max. 3.3. Enter. And then I hit the incline to about 2 out of 15. 
Okay, I start to perk up a little bit. I start to shake the sleep off a little bit. And then I'm like, here we go. 6.0 enter, four incline. <laughs> Rachel, Jeremy, do you feel like working out every time you go to the gym? No. But sometimes you just know you need to do it. Sometimes you just, you just know that. So I'm going to share one thing that we shared in our life group this week. And, and Josh Haas is just a blessing. Josh and Angie Haas are such a blessing to us. And he knows the right words to say right when I need them. And, and we're sitting around the campfire and just having our, our home group. And, and we just, you know, here I, I was like, hey, let's, let's do testimonies. Who has something great that happened in their week? And this was Wednesday. I was like, I'm doing better today. <laughs> and you know how like so many testimonies turn into a prayer request? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like, fine, I guess I just needed to share it again. So, but anyway, he said, he said some really amazing things, and I want to just share one with you. He said, in any relationship, there's three things. The first one is passion, and that's how, how fun can it be. The first one is passion, how fun can it be? You might want to write these down, they're really good. The second one, so the first one's passion, and that's how fun can it be? The second one is intimacy. How close can we be? So passion, how fun can it be? Intimacy, how close can, it, can we be? And then the third one's commitment. And that's when you don't have passion and you don't have intimacy and you've lost the two. Now you do it because you just know you need to do it. Yes, then all of a sudden, the passion and the intimacy come back. That's right. So this week, that's what my process was. And that's what I am on the treadmill every day. Okay, I'm not passionate about this. I don't want to be intimate with the treadmill. Okay? I want to get as far away from that thing as I can. But suddenly I do it out of commitment. And then at the end, after I press stop and I see the 3.0 miles and 4, 391 calories burned, I'm like, yeah, did it again. See you tomorrow. <laughs> so that, that's, just, that's just where I'm at. So, so I just told him, I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm in the prayer room the night before. And I'm like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be doing this. I don't, I can't feel God. And, and I was just honestly just ticked because here I'm feeling like a little boy and I can't get away from his presence, right? And now suddenly I'm a man and I, I want to be a boy again. And I, uh, nothing I did in myself and nothing that anybody did, you know, deserved this. But suddenly now I'm to the point of, listen, the first time I lost my purity as a natural boy, I chose that. This time when I've lost my spiritual purity as a, as a little boy in the, in the kingdom, now suddenly I did nothing to deserve this. I just signed up to work a few extra hours. Now I'm, I'm having to man up and I lose my boyhood. Yeah. And just to be honest with you, I was ticked. I was like, I just want to feel his presence. I just want to be a little boy again. I just want to be unoffendable. You know, I'm talking about you cannot be hurt in the kingdom when you're a little boy. Now all of a sudden I'm hurting. Yeah. And I'm hurting bad. Yeah. And nothing's fixing it, right? I talked to Josh here on Sunday. He prayed for me. I talked to a counselor. I talked to all these people. And nothing's fixing me. But now suddenly when I come in today, I'm like, I come into the service. I had an encounter in my office, and I'm just, matter of fact, I was playing it as well on the radio in there. And I'm, and I'm just having this encounter. I'm like, Father, you love me. You're good. You love me. You are good. When I have nothing else to stand on, I stand on, you're good. You're good. I don't need to see another miracle. I don't need to see another miraculous sign or wonder. I just know it's within my heart. I just know you're good. You're good. So I come in here and and I look at the call, I'm like, I'm a little boy again. Yes, I'm a little boy again. But what happens when you don't feel that? Listen, I want to, I want to go to this. Matthew 4. 
says there where Jesus was led by the Spirit. I think we'll get past verse 1 this time, okay? <laughs> then Jesus was led by the Spirit. And the, the band, you guys can come up. I'm probably closing soon. Probably. <laughs> then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Listen. Jesus knew what hardship was. He came to earth to seek and save that which is lost, but also to be a man so that we could feel, he could feel what we feel, so that we can't just say, well, he was perfect. He didn't know what it felt like. No, he was a man. He still, he, he wasn't just a man. He was the man, right? He was the man, but he still felt flesh. He still felt hurt. He still felt pain. He still felt probably hunger pains, and, and his stomach was probably growling because he wasn't human flesh at that point as a savior on the earth. And I'm sure he felt that with 40 days of fasting. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to handle one day. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Listen, if you missed week one or two of sonship, just go back on Vimeo and watch it. Okay, we, we focused on the prodigal son story and then the, then the brother in that story for week two. But we also disclosed that, that he received the spirit of adoption. There was sonship when suddenly Jesus was baptized and the dove descended rest on Jesus. And the father says this, basically, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And we noted in that story that this was before he had performed any miracles. This was before he raised the dead. This was before he healed the sick, yeah. let blind eyes see, and specifically before he died on the cross for our sins. Yeah. This was before any of that. But yet the father's saying, this is my son who I'm proud of. Yeah. This is my beloved son. Beloved son, you're a human being, not a doing. Just be, because right now I'm proud of you because of sonship. I'm proud of you because you're my little boy. I'm proud of you because you are my beloved. Okay? So now, this is the very next set of scriptures. Woo! We'll just hold off for a few minutes, guys. We'll get through this. I'll tell you when, all right? So here's the deal. This is directly after that. So if you literally read the last part of chapter 3, you're going to find the story I just told you about. So going into verse 4. So, so the Satan, so the first thing, so he gets sonship, he realizes his identity with the Father, right? So Jesus is there, he's having this encounter with the Father, the dove's resting on him, you notice it never leaves. Many of us, we have pigeon religion that comes and goes. But when the dove came on Jesus, when the Holy Spirit rested on Jesus, it never left. And with us, when we become a son or a daughter, the Holy Spirit never leaves. If it leaves, it's only because of us. Yeah. It's not because of him. Listen, he says he withholds no good thing from those who seek him. Right? He withholds nothing. He withholds nothing for those who seek him. So suddenly, the enemy is tempting and testing this one area. And he says this. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Yeah. Now listen, I've heard this preach. Leif preaches this. I've heard it many times. If you are the son of God. So the first thing question is his identity as a son. But here's the thing that I put together in my office this morning. It's this. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God is the father, right? So listen, he's saying that is a lie and I only live by truth. My father has said this. So listen, this is what I got this morning. We have to just honestly rebuke the lies to say, and that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's rebuking the lies. He said, no, 
The scripture says this. My father says this. Amen. Going on. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, again, if you are the Son, jump off for the scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you and they will hold you up their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Listen, sometimes the enemy tests and tempts us directly and sometimes indirectly. So here, I want to point something out. He's manipulating the scripture to present it in a way. So again, Jesus responded in verse 7. The scripture also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Listen, there's three teachable points in there. First off, we can't be offered the entire world and it's not worth it compared to living as a son or daughter. That's second. The first one was actually, we have to cancel the lies, release the truth. Because the only thing that matters is what the Father is saying to you and about you. Many of us, we get caught up in the realm of well, what somebody else thinks. You know, I could get caught up in the realm. Well, well, you know, for instance, there's, there might be guys in the department who weren't there at that scene to say, well, well, why didn't you just still go in? Why didn't you jump through the window? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't, you weren't there. You don't know, but it doesn't matter because my father's saying this about me. My father knows I tried my hardest. My father knows this or that, right? None of that matters what people are saying about you at your workplace, at your home. None of that. It doesn't matter what they're saying about you behind your backs or to your face. It doesn't matter because when I know I'm a son, none of that matters. Why? Because my identity comes from Him. Because I have this alignment for the assignment. Amen. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because I know my Papa's pleased. Yeah. I know I'm His beloved and I know I'm a child and I know that I want to please the Father out of my heart and my love, not because I have to out of duty. The second thing was the fact that we can be offered the world, we can be offered everything, but nothing can measure, nothing, nothing can measure to the benefits of being a son in the kingdom and knowing who you are by knowing whose you are. The third point was, let's see if we can get a third point out of there. Worship. The third point's worship. The third point's worship. Why do we worship? Not because of what God does, but because of who He is. Listen, I didn't, I didn't need a point to worship Him. I knew what was happening inside that house, but I, I sit kneel at the front door with a, with a hose just spraying in the best I could. Just, you know, initially I'm yelling, I'm like, let us in, you know. That was initially when I was first going in. Then all of a sudden, when, when some reality had sunk in and we couldn't do anything else, I'm sitting there at the, at the door, just not feeling anything, feeling numb, feeling frustrated, feeling all those things. That was my feelings. But my spirit arose because I knew God's good. And I worshiped Him. I worshiped Him. So God, you're good. God, you're really good. It doesn't matter what my bank account is right now. It doesn't matter what my house condition is. It doesn't matter what car I'm driving. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters right now is you're good. You're good. You didn't do this. You're good. You didn't bring that cancer. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't induce that diabetes in my pancreas. That's not you. It's not in heaven. It doesn't exist in heaven. So, so you wouldn't do that to me. Why? Because you're a good father. You're good. You're good. 
Kelly knows what it's like to worship God through, through bad circumstances. Here, her husband's facing surgery and facing these things and facing a double amputation. And now she ends up in the hospital with some illnesses and such. But what does she do? She stands up in front of the church last week and says, God's good. I praise him. He's good. Let me close here. So Jesus knew what it was like to have a perfect father, but he was also earthly and he had Joseph as an earthly father. So he knew what it was like to have a perfect father and he knew what it was like to have an imperfect father. This is one of the other things we talked about in our group Thursday night. So here we, we go through life and we feel let down and we feel like, well, why'd Father do that? Why'd this happen? And, and here, here's, here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing is this. I felt like I was a little boy and had it stolen away. I felt like, you know, I'm two different things. Naturally, when I was about 12 and now spiritually, just last week. I'm like, God, you know, why, why is this happening? This is ridiculous. And I just wanted to feel the affection of my father. I just wanted to feel that affection. I wanted to feel that affirmation. I wanted to feel that love of the father. And I couldn't feel it. See, God put an inherent thing in us. He, he had a perfect dad, but he also had an imperfect dad. Joseph wasn't perfect. But he put the inherent thing in us to still want the affection of a father. Could you stand with me? I'm going to finish this. Uh, I, I was adding this to the book that I'm writing right now, just, just on Friday, based on some things just coming to me and after talking to somebody after the group on, on Wednesday. So he put that inherent desire in us because he wants to fulfill it. The problem is not the fact that we have that desire for affection, affirmation, and, and just the affirmation of a father. That's not the problem. And the problem, too, isn't that your natural parents have failed to do that. The true problem is that we go finding and looking elsewhere everything but for the Abba Father to fill those voids. That's the only problem. The problem, listen, God put that desire in you because he wants to fill it. We go looking for a spouse to fill those voids. We go looking for stuff to fill the love deficits, hobbies, materials, cars, whatever. We look for all these things to fill those voids in our life. And, and see, the one thing I've never been able to explain is how somebody can have their father do so horrific things to them and abuse them and, and all these things that should have never happened on the face of this planet. But yet they still want the affection of that father. They still want the acceptance of that father. They still want to please that father. I've never understood that until Wednesday night. Now suddenly it came to me that the reason that they want to do that is because God put that ability in us to want to please our Father, but we go to look at natural parents to fill that, and we look at spouses to fill that, when the true thing is that God is the one that wants to fill that. The problem's not the desire. The problem's not our parents. The problem is we look elsewhere other than all the Father. So I'd love to just pray for you right now. Hopefully there's some things in here today that... When you start feeling that numbness, you're not abnormal. You're, you're, not, you're not weird. There's just sometimes we go through things in life that distract us. And there's, there's things that come, some by our choice, some not. It, it just doesn't matter. But what matters is 
that we really understand our identity, that we are a son, we are a daughter, and that our dad, he really is good. He really is good. Put your hand on your hearts. I'm going to preach here, I believe, in two weeks again, and um, I want to speak on the spirit of sonship. I believe there's a spirit that comes upon you called the spirit of sonship, and it's mentioned in that way in Romans 4, or Romans 8 and Galatians 4. And, and, and I want to preach on the spirit of sonship in two weeks and go for week four here. Is that okay? Yeah. But I would love to lay hands on every person that week and just release the Father's love, release the Father's affirmation, and release the spirit of sonship and daughtership. I believe it's imperative. Listen, something, if you listen to week one, something changed in me just a few weeks ago through the night. And there was a spirit that came upon me to know my identity as a son. Not know it, know it. There was a difference here. Something changed from knowing it here for, me, for a few years actually, to now. It went from information to revelation to transformation. And I want everybody to have that same opportunity in just a couple weeks. But I'm trying to build up the foundation, build up the stage, first off to desire it, because it will change every part of you. It's His Spirit coming in you in a way of acceptance, in the way of forgiveness, in the way of knowing who you are. And when you know who you are, you're unstoppable. Why? Because you don't, you don't have to waste time getting offended. You don't have to waste time being unhappy. You don't have to waste time not being fulfilled. Why? Because He's filling every one of your needs because He's a good Father. That's what a good Father is supposed to do. That's what a good Father is supposed to do. God, I, just, I thank you for the people here today. I thank you for sonship. I thank you for daughtership. I thank you that we are your children. Your word declares it. And we cancel every lie that we are inadequate. We cancel every lie that we are not worthy of that. We cancel every lie that we are not worth you dying on the cross for. We cancel those lies. And right now, we just release your truth that you are a good father. And with us, you're well pleased. It doesn't mean you condone our sin. It doesn't mean that you look the other way. But you love us enough to forgive us. You love us enough to come to the cross and take care of everything. You didn't save anything on that cross. You gave all of yourself for all of us. You didn't die part way. You didn't, you didn't get just brutally beaten part way. It was all the way, God. So you were fully broken so that we could be fully whole. And we thank you for that. We thank you for sonship. God, I just pray right now that you just release dreams and encounters through the night. I pray that right now just wave a wave of your love and your mercy and your grace. Just like a tsunami wave comes in here and it has ripples effect that carry us through the week, God. Not that it's just a Sunday thing. Not that it's just a one-time event. But God, really, that even through the hard times when we can't feel it and we don't feel like it and we don't, we don't have the emotion even. God, that you just come in in a mighty way, in a, in a super supernatural way and encounter us the way we need it. God, just like with Elijah, it wasn't just the fire and the earthquake and the storm that pulled him out of the cave. It was the still soft voice. It was you, Papa. It was you, Father. So God, right now, as you whisper to us in our ears, you whisper sweet nothings to us. You woo us, God. You woo us, God. You call us sons and daughters. You call us friends. And you call us your bride. And we thank you for that. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Hey, uh, we would like to invite anybody who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Lord. If, if you're not, if you don't know if you're saved, 
we want to invite you uh, up front here. We, we have people that will pray with you. I'll personally pray with you. Uh, we never want to leave a service assuming everybody's saved. One, if you need healing, we want to open that up too. If you need physical, emotional, mental healing in any way, uh, we want to open that up to you. Don't leave here with pain in your body. Don't